With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
everyone, and welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. This is T. Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am an energy therapist and certified sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where we are streaming to you live as we do every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, our chat room is open, so feel free to join the discussion. It's already going on. We do keep an eye on the chat room. So if you have a question, go ahead and post it, and we will do our best to get your question on air. As an alternative, for those of you who are on the go and you cannot continue to listen online, call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227. And that way you can listen via your phone, or if you are driving around, please use your Bluetooth. You know, there is a unique place where mind power and neuroplasticity meet cosmic consciousness, a methodology for our own path to transcendence. And we'll learn more from my guest tonight, Linda Lee Hoffman. As a young child in a turbulent home, she had a series of mystical experiences that fueled her desire to understand, to pursue truth in a way that others did not, and to see things that others never perceived and look at things with a discerning and inquiring mind that yearned to touch a cosmic awareness that brought about peace, serenity, and wholeness. It was in a contemplative community called the Christ Circle in Boulder Creek, California, that Glinda Lee first encountered the Kabbalah, which is an ancient teaching of coded interpretations embedded in the original text of Genesis, the Song of Songs, often referred to as the Song of Solomon. And the Sefer Yetzirah, in 1973, Glinda Lee began her studies of the Cipher of Genesis, the original code of Kabbalah as applied to the scriptures by French author Carlo Suarez. By reading Swar's book dozens of times, she began to develop her own technique, seeing patterns unfold that were seeming clues to greater knowledge, and she focused on specific phrases that described the attributes of the Hebrew letters, not as linguistic components, but as patterns of energy. And this method allowed her brain to accumulate a vast library of information about the patterns of energy, which Swar's attributes to the Hebrew letters when viewed as elements of the Code of Kabbalah. I know it sounds a little confusing, but we'll get into this a little bit later. Now, it became clear to Glinda Lee that the letters formed a complex code of information about the fundamental properties of energy at the heart of all life in the universe. And she also realized this information represented a revelation that pertains to the human brain that was historically understood and experienced by Abraham, Moses, Jesus, and others. And today we'll talk about what she discovered and has written about in her groundbreaking book, The Genesis Code, Your Key to Unlocking Hidden Genius. And let's get started now. Good evening, Glenda Lee. Thank you so much for taking time to join us tonight. How are you being this evening? Hi, and thank you for inviting me. And I am being fine and wonderful this evening. Oh, that's great. Where are you calling from, by the way? I'm in Chico, California, where I live. It's a little it's warm. Actual... Go ahead. Is it warm there? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It has been so warm here for so long. It was, it's been the driest, hottest winter on record since 1985, 1965. Today, wow. finally raining. <laughs> we're, we're, most of us have been outside dancing in it for a while. Oh, sure, that's something to be grateful for. Here, it's, you know, right now we're at a high of 19. <laughs> I understand. Actually, and we're happy. Yeah, and we're it's happy been crazy. It it we're been, like, we've oh, been yeah. having Las Vegas weather, and the rest of the country is having Arctic weather. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's been crazy. So we're glad that you're warm, and we're glad that we're all listening in warm places, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Now, the title of your the title of your book is The Genesis Code. And what that does for me is it makes me think that, okay, basically this is a religious book, you know, but it has this subtitle, Your Key to Unlocking Hidden Genius. So that knocks the religious book right out of my head. It's not at all about relationship with our maker, but it rather is how we can tap into our inner genius. So why is it connected to our inner genius, and how does it help us to develop that genius? First of all, (laughs) thank you so much. First of all, to all the listeners, if you go searching for my book, you have to use the subtitle, The Genesis Code, Your Key to Unlocking Hidden Genius. Because after I wrote the book and titled it and listed it on Amazon, I discovered there were three other books with the title of The Genesis Code. So I should have done a little homework there first. Um, The study of the Kabbalah is a study that uses the letters of the Hebrew alphabet not as components of language or in any linguistic manner, but as patterns of energy, similar to the way math uses letters, like the letter M means math, and the letter E means energy. So in math, what looks like letters do not function as letters in those mathematical applications. Similarly, in the book of Genesis, and uh, I need to clarify this, I'm only talking about the first four chapters up to verse 16, which encompasses the two most famous stories in the Western world, which is the six days of creation and the Garden of Eden. Those two Mm -hmm. stories are written in a code, and the code is actually very simple. What we think we are perceiving as words are acronyms, just like an acronym MAD, M-A-D-D, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, or UCLA, Mm -hmm. University. California, Los Angeles, every single, what appears to be a word, is an acronym. And in order to study the Kabbalah, every one of those acronyms has to be broken down into its separate letters. Each separate letter needs to be understood as a pattern of energy, not a component of linguistics. And I'll give an example of that in a minute. And then the whole acronym needs to be put back together. And at that point, it looks kind of like an equation but every equation is, is as powerful or more powerful as E equals MC squared. So every single word is an equation, and that equation is a revelation in the mind. It literally penetrates the mind and opens it to be able to perceive the hidden processes of life in the universe that we don't see, just like we don't see the full spectrum of light. The human eye only sees a very small set, set spectrum of the whole spectrum of light. For instance, we don't see infrared. Now, sci- scientists have figured out how to make infrared glasses, so we can now see the infrared spectrum. But with our bare eyes, we can't see the infrared spectrum. We can't see radio waves. We can't see microwaves. Um, there's a whole spectrum of light out there and energy that we can't see, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So in the story of Genesis, we've been taught to read this story as words. But if anybody ever took the time, which I did, I studied these two chapters, these, um, these four chapters up to verse 16. 
I studied him for four years, and that was all. That oh my God. I never else. And that's all I studied. And I, for, I studied the first six letters, just those six letters, for four months. That's all I studied because that's what it took. And I didn't know I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I was just uh, I was driven. There was something inside me, and I can talk about that later if you want to. It, I I tell the story in my book. But I was mm-hmm. driven. There was a there was a hook inside me that wasn't letting go. And finally, when I had my first revelation, I likened it to the experience Helen Keller had when she was at the watering trough with with, uh, Annie Sullivan, and she finally understood that those little squiggles that that Annie had been producing in her palm meant something. They weren't just annoying. They weren't just a a method to annoy Helen, which is what uh, Helen Helen had assumed prior to that. For all of you listening, most of us remember that unbelievable, spectacular scene of Helen getting that flash of insight in that moment and not only realizing that this water that was splashing over her hand had a name, but that everything had a name. At that moment, Helen's brain was on fire and every single neural connection in her brain suddenly shifted. It shifted out of a pattern of ignorance and into a pattern of knowledge and she was so hungry, she went around begging for it for the rest of her life. She wanted to know everything. And it, that is similar to what happened to me. When I first decoded those first six letters and understood what they meant, I was in, it, it happened while I was driving down the road, and the revel, it, it, it really literally exploded right out of my brain and I was in a, a place that has no time or space. Uh, it, was, it was pure energy, but the energy had a structure. And the structure was very similar to a seed. Uh, the seed has a, it's a structure of wholeness that is intrinsic to every thing in the universe and every part of the universe. It's a, it, and it's a structure of wholeness that integrates two opposing functions the, the same way a seed does. The two opposing functions in a seed are the husk and the germ. And the reason they're opposing is because the germ is a, a dynamic, disruptive element that continues to grow once it's germinated and will grow forever in the sense that it keeps reproducing itself over and over through this growth process, whereas the husk never changes. It, it remains static the whole time. It, its uh, initial function is protective and structural, uh, but it remains a static element, whereas the germ, once it's germinated, will never be a static element again. It will remain active for the rest of its existence. And these first six letters described every part of the interaction of those two opposing elements. And I could see them, uh, all these six letters defined the actual properties and function and structure of the original seed of life 
that produced the entire universe. And within that is also what's difficult for us to imagine, but what's in that is the limitless potential of energy and matter that is still emerging from the universe as we speak. So everything, as everyone knows, within the seed is the whole. For instance, within the acorn is an oak tree. Right. Once it's planted, that's all within the seed. Well, within these first six letters was the entire universe, and, and I saw it. it. It came as a revelation, and it just rolled and rolled and rolled through my mind. And I describe it in the book as kind of like giant heavenly hands came out of the sky and pulled my two hemispheres apart and the whole universe rushed in instantly. And it was... Which is overwhelming. It's it's so overwhelming that there's no way to even put it in words. But Mm. this is... This is the revelation that Abraham had because he's the one who brought the Kabbalah from whatever previous civilization it was in that uh, got destroyed. Uh, Moses studied it. Jesus studied it. And the reason that we know they did is because they used elements of this teaching in their names. And I've described that in my book. So... Once I understood that, once I had my first revelation, I realized that the idea that this portion of Genesis was written in code was was now a fact because I'd experienced it. And I knew that if I kept studying, I'd keep having these kinds of experiences. And I had had several mystical experiences before this time, but, but they were never the result of my own study. They, they simply happened. I had no idea mm-hmm. how or why they happened. I, I've come to call them openings. And the first one happened when I was five. I was uh, playing in a room in my house, and my father had built a fire, and then he'd left. And it was a day uh, kind of like today, a little bit stormy. The winds, uh, the trees were blowing in the wind outside and it hadn't it wasn't raining but it was chilly it was in november and the fire started to die down until it was just a few little embers and uh, i couldn't find my dad he was probably outside working someplace but i really wanted that fire back and so i thought of a way that might work turns out it didn't and in that flash of when it didn't work a, a voice spoke in my mind and it said Things are not what they appear to be. Now, at five years old, I had absolutely no idea what to do with that kind of information. The voice wasn't just a voice. There was a, it was a presence, and I could feel it. It was, it was like uh, an angel or even God. The presence was really pure, and it was really, really clear. And it took over everything. But it only lasted, I have no idea, maybe five or ten minutes. But it, I, was, mm. I was so stunned by it. And yet I'm five years old. What do I know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, then 
I mean, I there's no way a five-year-old can process that kind of information alone. Right. So it just right. settled someplace in my consciousness. I knew not where. And then when I was 11, I had a very profound opening that was a visit with Jesus. And he showed me so many things. <laughs> and I described the whole, pro- I, this, the whole experience in my book. And I, there's not time to go through the whole thing, but the essence of what I learned from what he showed me was that his power to be who he was uh, resided in his ability to perceive life clearly. And by that, I mean, and I didn't learn this until I was in my 40s, he understood the difference between culture and life. And at that time in my life, I was very confused about culture and about the arbitrary rules of culture. And I was desperate for some clarity. And this experience gave me the clarity I I needed. And I understood even at the moment that I was having the experience that it was an experience of clarity. And I asked Jesus to teach me Mm. the like he did because I wanted to maintain that clarity and keep it through my life. I didn't want it to disappear after that experience. And then there I was, and he said, yeah, okay. And then there I was, standing on the sidewalk where I had been when the whole thing started. And again, at 11 years old, I don't have a clue how to process this information. (laughs) There's Mm. nothing in my experience that gives me any kind of a clue that this is even possible. And yet I've experienced it. But luckily right. I didn't tell anybody. Because Why they would say luckily? Well, because they would have dismissed me or judged me or told me I was crazy or, or mm-hmm. in some way have diminished that experience. And okay. I didn't know at the time that, they could do that, but I do. I know that now. People who have these mm-hmm. kinds of experiences get dismissed all the time. So um, then, when I, uh, I I was led to the Christ Circle, and at the Christ Circle, we were not. It was a very rigid, um, uh, scheduled community. This was not any kind of a hippie community, more like a, a monastery than anything else. But we were not required to study any specific kind of teaching. We were free to pick our own. And another person who was there simply walked up to me one day and gave me a book titled um, The Cipher of Genesis by Carlos Suarez. And that's the book that I taught myself the Kabbalah through. And when I say I taught myself, that doesn't even begin to describe what happened. (laughs) (laughs) but it was through that book and through Carlos Suarez's knowledge that I learned the Kabbalah, that I realized that Genesis was not what it appeared to be, and that this pattern of wholeness uh, was embedded in this text in every symbol, in every word slash acronym, in every sentence, in every verse, in every chapter, and in the two stories. I mean, it, it was, it's like a hologram. It's everywhere in there. And once I understood that, it it was kind of like my brain had built a new lens through which to see 
everything. And this lens was a lens of wholeness, and it always included the integration of these two opposing forces, an inner disruptive expanding force and an outer contracting static force. And once I understood that, I looked at the two stories, the six days of creation and the Garden of Eden, and I went, oh, my gosh. There it is right there. The outer story is static because it's history. The six days of creation is the story of evolution, and it's right there in the, <laughs> in the verses. Uh, it starts with the Big Bang, let there be light, and then because it's our evolution, it goes to Earth. The Earth was form and void. Uh, then it's covered with water. Then the land appears. Then the plants, the animals, and the humans. And that's exactly the story of evolution. Then we've been taught that the Garden of Eden is in a continuation of that story, and so it takes place in the past with a first man and woman of the human race. But then there's all this, he's created from dust and she's created from his rib. And then there's this tree named the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, how is this history? Well, <laughs> though all these mythological images are a signal to a reader that it isn't history, that it's something else. And you need to think differently to, to approach this text. And, and once I had learned to see this lens and realized that the way to look at this story was as an inner psychological story and that the story would tell me about my own brain, then it became this complete revelation. And I learned to see that all the elements in the story of the Garden of Eden are the elements in my own brain and mind. For instance. Okay, so uh, well, let me ask a question. You, you, okay, so there's this co the hidden code in the text of Genesis. And this isn't the first time that anybody has ever talked about that. You're not the first person to make that claim. However, are other people saying it the same way that you are, or are they are they seeing a different code? Did they see? Did they receive it the same way that you did? Well, there was a book written several years ago called The Bible Code that has nothing to do with what I'm saying. Right? Yeah, that has nothing to do with it. That's totally uh, different. Yes, totally different. And there are. Um, I've been told that the Book of Enoch, which is very expensive, and I don't have a copy of is similar to the information. It's, it's a Kabbalic co, uh, document, and mm -hmm. it says something similar, but I can't verify that. As okay. far as I know, I may be the only person who is saying the story of the Garden of Eden is a manual for us to learn, how, to learn about the the structure and function of our own brain, and more importantly, it's teaching us how to hone the skills of our brain, the neurological skills in our brain, to be an instrument that will awaken us, transform us, and uh, allow us to become the angelic creatures we long to be. Okay, so why do you think that this is not – I do have the book of Enoch, by the way, and it's, um, it's interesting. But oh. it, 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 I, don't think it's as, I don't think it's similar to what you're saying very much. Oh, um, okay. 
but but why 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 has this not come out before? Why hasn't it? Do you think the timing just wasn't right? I mean, uh, do, you ever, well, do you ever ask that question and get any answers? Can you, can you, <laughs> it, 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 no, seriously. I, I mean, there are some people who can, you know, you can meditate and you'll get information. I'm just wondering, do you ever ask, you know, why me? Why am I getting this information? And why now? <laughs> I have asked that question ever since <laughs> I discovered this information. And I don't have a clue. All I can tell you okay. is, the information has been there. I know Jesus knew it because not only did I have that experience with him when I was 11, I had several other experiences with, and I'll just say it was a Jesus spirit. And as I say that, I also know that his message was, and it's right there in the Bible, all these things that I do, you will do too, and even greater things shall you do. So my message right, is basically... Right. We all came here to be Jesus, and that's exactly what he said. Mm -hmm. We are God because God is energy, and the and the whole universe is full of nothing but energy. Right. And uh, you know, every this has been confirmed by most astronomers. Every atom in the molecules of our cells came from exploding stars. So, right. So we're we're just energy. We're just vibration. Mm-hmm. Now, we also have senses, and we also have this physical body. So, you know, how do we rectify all this and put it together? The message that I got from Genesis is that life has a purpose. And the purpose of life is to produce maximum fertility. In other words, the purpose of life is to produce as much potential as possible. Now, if you look at life, you see that's true. One apple seed will produce an apple tree, and on that apple tree might be 300 apples, and each one of those apples will have 6 to 20 seeds in them, and each one of those seeds can produce that same thing again indefinitely. So right. just looking at nature, you see that, and people see nature hates a void. And the reason they say that is because wherever there is a potential for life to establish itself, it will. And it's because this is the driving force of life in the universe. And, of course, this was all in those first six symbols that I decoded. And this was part of what I mm-hmm. saw. And then the, the story of the Garden of Eden actually explains when it's decoded that the human brain has attained this level of possibility. For instance, the seventh letter in the Hebrew alphabet is, is the name of it is Vav, V-A-V, like in Victor, or Wah, mm-hmm. W-A-W. Most people say V-A-V because it's easier to pronounce and hear than wa. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> of is seven. Well, the, the entire story of the Garden of Eden takes place on the seventh day. And it is a story about human awareness and about the human brain. And the human brain has up to 100 billion, with a B, neurons. 
And each one of those neurons has up to 30,000 dendrites. Those are the little tips, like, a, like the tip on a, mm-hmm. on a branch of a tree. And each one of those 30,000 dendrites is connected to a different neuron. So the number of connections, dendritic synaptic connections in the brain, is more than the number of stars in the universe. So the human brain is more complex than the entire universe itself. And not only that, our brain is capable of growing new neurons, and in Mm -hmm. fact it does. Every time we learn something new, it's grown a whole bunch of new neurons, and it can, its neural pathways, it's the dendritic connections can disconnect from one pattern and reconnect into another pattern indefinitely and forever. So is this, that why you, is that why you draw that connection between the Kabbalah and awareness and then the link between awareness and genius? Yes, of course. This is exactly what our genius is. Our genius is our ability to change and to change all the time. And in fact, it is change that has made every brilliant person brilliant. Their minds change and change and change. They get a new idea and then another idea and then another idea and another idea. You know, Einstein didn't become a genius overnight. He worked at it for a long time. Yeah, he had the neural juice there. And, you know, his was probably a little superior to the average person's and mine, I'm sure. But we, every human brain has this ability to change. And every change brings a possibility for revelation, insight, self-knowledge, self-discovery. And that's what we came here to do. We came here to fulfill our potential. And it happens to be that our potential is limitless because we have achieved the number seven, which is the highest level of fertility possible, all possible possibilities. You can't even imagine it. That's what we're capable of. Okay. So the Kabbalah, it had a very um, esoteric and and, uh, mystical connotation to it, and yet it's very practical in that, if one decodes it, they're going to gain the information that you gained, do you feel? Oh, yeah. And I love the way you say that because in the end, it is incredibly practical. Um, recently, I read, I listened to an interview uh, a friend of mine did with, um, a, a, I think he's a neuropsychologist named Tom Kenyon. And he said something that I have been trying to say really clearly for a long time. But he said it so clearly, I wrote it down. And it's like this. Um, We have been imprinted by the culture in which we grew up. And a lot of the imprints that we, and people call them memes now. These are beliefs and attitudes and ideas and cultural identities and all that stuff that we define as human and as human activity, but a lot of it is really negative. For instance, the the essential Christian doctrine is that we're all sinners because Mm -hmm. Eve was a sinner. Well, how depressing is that? 
Yeah, pretty. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, right off the bat, you know, we're we're it's negative, and so we're saddled mm-hmm. with this very self-destructive energy. And when that, when we, when we suddenly awaken to the fact that, well, maybe that's not the truth, but let me go back a little bit. These imprints have an effect on our neurology, on, on our neurological pathways and our neurochemical signals. And since the nervous system is connected to every part of the brain, and since we now know that the, that the brain body or the mind brain body is one synergistic uh, element, these self-destructive neuropathways and neurochemistry isn't just in the brain anymore. It's in the cells in our body. And so mm-hmm. this all, how we perceive the world how we perceive life operating and how we perceive ourselves affects us. It affects our neuro, our system. It affects our immune system. It affects our behavior. It affects the way we feel about ourselves. Uh, so that, and it and it definitely affects the way we process information. But what's so exciting about personal growth, which is what we came here to do? We came here mm-hmm. to grow into our own brain and mind, keep expanding our awareness, is that when we begin to free ourselves from incorrect, negative, and self-destructive imprints by changing our perceptive, our perception and our perspective in a very deep and authentic way, uh, not just you know guided meditations or mental affirmations. I'm talking about you know, really deep insights and revelations. Um, these uh, bring about a shift in our awareness. And that shift also uh, affects the body. And the way that it affected my body is that I got healthier. The clearer I became Mm -hmm. in seeing the real patterns of life, not the patterns of culture, the patterns of life, the, the healthier I became and the healthier behaviors I adopted. Not through willpower. I never used willpower. Right. I always just was trying to get clearer and become more aware. And, in fact, I tell a funny story in my book about quit smoking that, that happened to me just that way. It, I didn't ever try to stop smoking. I, I knew it wasn't the greatest habit in the world. But I had an insight totally unrelated to smoking, and then I stopped smoking. And for years, I could not figure out what the connection to that was. I mean, it, it really flummoxed me. And then about mm-hmm. 20 years after that experience, I finally realized, oh, all I did was get clear enough that I got rid of so many toxins in my mind that my mind demanded that I get rid of some toxins in my body. Mm-hmm. And, and that, it, that was not an isolated experience. That has, it continues to happen to me even now. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people probably have stuff like that happening. We've talked a lot on the show about awareness, conscious awareness, and, and being more aware of what's going on and your thought patterns and how, what you, how you can change the neurotransmitters in your brain, which ultimately lead to good health simply because of the fact that you're changing those neurotransmitters in the way that you act and respond to life makes the cells stop doing their mutated thing and they start because there's new neurotransmitters sending messages to your cells, your cells start to uh, replicate on a level where they're healthy now and so therefore you heal because the body knows exactly what to do. The body knows how to heal. It has nothing to do with us. The body is smarter than our brain and than we think we are. You know, we walk around thinking, well, I know how to do this. Really, your body is so much more intelligent than your own IQ you know, so yeah. and neuroscientists, would have, yeah, we've had quite a few of them on the show telling us all of this stuff. So I'm wondering, what is the, the really important message that the Kabbalah teaches us that the neuroscientists uh, to date have not told us? Because a lot of this information we already do know. Ask some really good questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's the main thing, and hopefully it'll be in my next Adam and Eve represent uh, two types of intelligence in the brain. And I'm just going to simplify it and say Adam is intellect and Eve is intuition. Uh Now, in our culture, we have been taught that intuition is inferior to intellect. But the Kabbalah taught me that it's just the opposite, that intuition is superior to intellect. Because the intellect cannot go into the unknown. Only intuition can go into the unknown and bring back the treasures of the unknown. In other words, all that unrecognized potential. Intuition can bring that back to us and help us process it through the intellect. And this is the story of the relationship between Adam and Eve. God, I'm sorry. That's Excuse your, me. Yes, I didn't turn your phone off. <laughs> um, that's your internal, uh, you know, GPS working. So when you follow your <laughs> GPS, when you follow your intuition, not, you know, if you follow your intuition, then you know you're on the right path and you're going where you need to go. It's like your higher self is guiding you. So that makes complete sense because sometimes we try to override our intuition and that's just ego getting in the way and us being human. Yeah, but our culture does not support that type of self-discovery. Our culture supports the activities of the intellect, and it dismisses and devalues the activities of intuition. So most well, of us it's coming more into play now. Part, well, yeah, as more of us, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. as more of us take the responsibility to walk our path of awakening, more of this kind of information comes out. But still, the major institutions, but specifically in the story of the Garden of Eden through the Kabbalah, what I learned is of the incredible, unbelievable importance of the frontal lobe. And what it taught me is that the frontal lobe is the portion of the brain that sits right behind the forehead. Uh, and and it is the only part of the brain that is authentically human. The rest of the brain, the neocortex, the limbic system, 
the R complex, the reptilian cortex, those, all those parts of the brain evolved prior to us becoming human. And in fact, the brain is the only organ in the body that clearly demarcates its evolutionary journey. The heart doesn't, the lungs don't, the stomach doesn't. Only the brain stratifies its evolutionary journey, and we can see that. It's documented. What's so fascinating to me is that the frontal lobe, as the only human portion of the brain, has an agenda, and that agenda is to bring the older parts of the brain into its uh, consciousness, its, its level of awareness. And that level of awareness is angelic. That's who we are. That's who we are meant to become because, mm-hmm. and I, I love Carlos Suarez's definition, we are human beings becoming. Because there's no end to our becoming. We will continue to emerge for our lifetime. And that emergence is an unfolding of wisdom and love because that's our potential. And it is constantly calling to us, constantly. Mm -hmm. And we can foster it if we just are more aware, knowing full well that we don't need to limit ourselves. We do that to ourselves. Well, yeah, you know, and the, the you, that you helped me the most, of yeah, the, the thing that helped me the most was realizing that culture, most of the institutions in culture, most of the values of culture, most of the beliefs of culture were just flat out wrong. That's mm. what really helped me. When I, when I understood that, I, was, I felt like Jesus. I was in the world, but not of it, because I, I, I'm not of that world of culture anymore. I don't, I don't adhere to those cultural beliefs and illusions and perspectives. They no longer mean anything to me. My path is the path of life. And that's what he said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Culture is a, is a contrivance that the brain produces through unawareness if, if the culture is not authentically human, and ours isn't. And, the, and we can, the reason we know this is because it's so toxic. And That's very true. And by the way, <laughs> the word health comes from a German word that means whole. And right. see, whole systems are always healthy. And you can see that in nature. Nature by herself has learned how to keep herself pristine. And we, we use that word when we describe wilderness. Wilderness is pristine. And the reason right. that nature is so pristine is because nature knows how to use the waste from one system to provide fuel for another system. So there's never any garbage. There's never any waste. That's what a whole system is. And you can see, looking at our culture, that we humans haven't figured out how to do that because we're just filling our world with, cult, with, with garbage. 
all kinds yeah, of garbage. I think we're on our way. I think we're on our way to learning it now, and hopefully it's not too late. But I think we are waking up to that now. Certainly, we are from a medical standpoint, where the uh, whole you know body, mind, spirit medicine is is really coming into play to make a person whole. And with that comes an awful lot of information that people will go out and hopefully bring into the world as a whole as well. Because yeah, yeah, we, and you know. exactly when people start refusing to buy products that are made from GMOs, when people mm-hmm. refuse. You know, stop. <laughs> In fact, it's uh, it amazes me. We we think we need to have a big uh, revolution to change things. The truth is, you know, if you don't want the oil companies to have so much power, ride ride a bicycle. <laughs> you know, right. we are the ones that maintain the systems that are toxic through what we purchase and what we use. If we want to change the world, all we have to do is change that. I mean, I bought, in the last 13 years, I bought 75 solar panels. And now mm-hmm. I, I get all my electricity from the sun. Right. So, and I'm not rich. I'm not rich by any means. I'm a total, right in the middle, middle class American. But I could see the potential. Mm-hmm. And I understood that if I bought these solar panels now, that in 10 years, not only will I not have a power bill, but I'll be getting a, getting a what do you call it, a windfall from my investment. Right. So the part of, and that's one of the functions of the frontal lobe. The frontal lobe, there's so many functions of the frontal lobe that people don't know about. First of all, the frontal lobe processes all personal, excuse me, and social information, all of it. So all of our personal awareness and our social awareness is, is processed in the frontal lobe. And what the frontal lobe wants to do is grow more neurons back to the older parts of the brain, the neocortex, the limbic system, and the reptilian cortex, and bring those activities in under the agenda of the frontal lobe so that we can behave and think and treat ourselves and each other more angelically. And And as is always the case here, it always comes down to an awareness and just all of everything comes down to just a conscious awareness and what it is that we need to do each person in order to make our lives better and the planet better and everything better and, and ensure that we are going down the right path and knowing full well that we are capable of absolutely anything we want and not limiting ourselves. It's just a matter of awareness. And we are almost at the top of the hour, Glinda Lee, but before we say goodbye, would you please tell everyone how they can learn more about you and where? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, my my website is www.thegenesiscode.com. You can purchase my book there, The Genesis Code, Your Key to Unlocking Hidden Genius. You can also purchase, purchase it on Amazon, and it's in Kindle edition. I also have a free booklet on my website. You just have to put your email into the form. Uh, the title of it is Seven Techniques to Cultivate Your Genius. And anybody who signs up, I just send that to them. Um, it's, a, it's a series of little exercises that I developed along the way that helped me expand my awareness so that I could achieve what I have, which is I get to live in heaven. 
And you also offer, don't you offer a six-week coaching program as well as a six-month in-depth Kabbalah course? Well, I I will offer that as soon as enough people sign up. (laughs) Okay, there you go. So (laughs) so far I haven't. Get the e-book and check everything out. (laughs) Yeah. um, What will happen is I'll send out, I have about 50 or 60 people on my list right now, and I'll send out a little bulletin um, for everybody who signs up for the e-book. If you want to take this uh, four-week teleseminar course, and it's going to be really reasonable, $11 each week, um, we will talk about all these techniques to help you, anyone, expand awareness and become healthier and feel better about yourself and actually know that you are walking your path. Oh, that is a good deal. So go to the Genesis Code, T-H-E-G-E-N-E-S-I-S Code, C-O-D-E dot com, and check all of that out. You know, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in very challenging and constantly changing times. That's why I have the guests I have to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. And we need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live, productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link to this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you have had tonight to learn and to grow and to make the world a better place for everyone. So again, Glenda Lee, uh, thank you so very much for joining us tonight. This was a very informative, most enjoyable evening. Thank you. Thank you, and well said. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in this evening. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. Go ahead and get out your calendar and make note of it now so that you remember to tune in next week. For more information about me, visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll see a list of upcoming shows, archive shows, and different events I'll be holding in the future here in this area. Uh, Crystal Bowl concert's coming up on February 16th, so if you're in the area, feel free to look into that. If you can't make the concert, you can order my CD, Imagine, from the site as well. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.
Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.